All right, so this is the deal. How many of you guys went to Outcry? Oh, thank you, Sang. How many of you guys went to Outcry last year? Right? So you are the ones I'm speaking to because you will probably fall asleep. All right, you sinners. Just kidding. Actually, no, there is a van that was a sinner, the sinner van because they went to go eat after Outcry was over. Who does that? It, was it, it, it got over at 11? 11? 11.30? No, it was like end at 1. <laughs> Where did you guys go to eat? <laughs> saying you'll tell the truth where did you go to eat Korean wow I'm not jealous I'm not jealous okay all right so what are we going to talk about today anybody addictions now why would we talk about addictions why is that important everyone ha- okay that's a pretty broad view right oh I'm gonna that was to keep you that was to keep you awake. In case you don't know what happened in the recording, I knocked down the music stand. That's to keep you guys awake. All right, so what happens, what happens with people today? They get addictions, right? But some of you guys are in here being like, okay, well, I don't struggle with addiction. <laughs> some of you guys are thinking, I don't struggle with addiction, or I will not struggle with addiction, because there are only a few kind of addictions that everyone really knows about. Somebody name some. Drugs, right? So if you are not a meth addict or a heroin addict, you're like, okay, I'm cool. What other addictions are pretty well known? What? Pornography. Well, that's getting to be more well known. I don't know if in Facebook, I have friends that are a part of like this, this church community that really ministers to guys that are addicted or, and girls that are addicted to pornography. And so there's always articles about uh, pornography addiction on my, webs- on my Facebook. I don't know if you guys see those kind of things, but there is this gigantic move- movement in the church to help people with porn addiction. What else? What? Technology. Technology? Yeah, that's a new one too. Let's name the okay. Let's name the the big three. Okay, so like we're talking about drugs, of course, right? And then we're talking about probably gambling, right? Gambling addiction, and then like the more common addictions like smoking and caffeine, right? Those are probably the big three. But now the things that you guys are naming are the addictions that you guys will be dealing with for the rest of your life. That your generation is being exposed to that other generations in the masses have not been exposed to. Does that make sense? So you are being exposed to things that other generations have not been exposed to. For instance, just talking about porn, right? Pornography, I know it's probably uncomfortable for some of you guys, um, but pornography addiction is this crazy thing where um, uh, sex uh, sociologists, psychologists, all these guys, they are saying that there is going to be so many sex addicts, porn addicts, that there will not be enough people to help. That your generation, the vast majority, like I think the the statistic right now is like even 40% of pastors are addicted to pornography. Now this is the reason why. This is the reason why. It's because when I was growing up, there was always that creepy kid on the back of the bus that took his dad's Playboys and he stashed it in his backpack and showed the kids and we all giggled around the bus. Right? But now, you guys have instant access on your Xboxes, PS, whatever, 4, 3... You, you have your computers, you have your smartphones, you have um, uh, um, pornographers sending you uh, emails, you got uh, junk mail, you got uh, pop-ups, you got all these things that are attacking, and they are attacking 11-year-olds, that's their age. They start at 11-year-old up. So those sixth graders, those little tiny little, little cute kids right there that were walking out the door all innocent, I love Jesus, yay, they are being attacked by pornographers to become addicted to porn by the time they become your age. 
And this is the deal. What you're going to learn about addiction today is that it is much, much, much more dangerous than you think it is. Now, I'm not saying all this so you guys can be scared and like, oh, I'm going to hide in a box and cut the electricity. and right? No, 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 no. We have to learn how to deal with addiction in a way that is actually helpful to the rest of the world. To be a light in, in, this, in this community. You get what I'm saying? All right, so why? Let's talk about addictions. The Latin term for addictions... Um, actually, let's, let me do the big idea. This is what you need to remember when you guys leave here. Everyone is a slave to something. The only difference is the outcome. Everyone is a slave. We are meant to be slaves. Now, that sounds kind of weird, but we are bound to something. We need something, right? And we'll talk about how that's Jesus because the answer is always Jesus, right, Jessica? Jesus, the only difference is the outcome. We'll talk about that, okay? All right, so uh, here's some examples. Caffeine, food, uh, 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 George said that. Did you guys notice I broke my, my addiction to pho because I'm a man of God? Nothing can hold me down. I have pho in a reason, reasonable amounts during the year, right? Reasonable amounts, that's it. Right, honey? It's, it's, it's really hot. <laughs> now I switched to buns, so. All right. Uh, internet games, right? You guys ever seen this? You guys ever seen this game? Right? It's like League of Dem- Demons or something. I can't Le- League of Satan or something like that. I can't remember. Um, shopping. <laughs> I was like, like okay, the main demographic. <laughs> I was looking for multicultural shoppers, but that's harder to find. <laughs> like you got black shoppers, white shoppers, Asian shoppers, and I was like, how do I sh- Photoshop them together? So I just put up this one because they seem like they shop, right? And there's a lot of our people here in our group here that are are tempted by that, right? And then drugs. And this kind of seems like a little bit exaggerated for most of us because we aren't really tempted. That's why when I talked about drugs last week, it was about marijuana because that's probably the drug um, of, of choice that will be extended to you. And then as be, you become adult, if you become injured, prescription drugs will be a big problem. Um, there's a huge, huge um, population in the U.S. that are addicted to prescription uh, medication. And it's because it's usually from injury. And then they take this medicine and they get hooked on it and then they have to keep extending it. And a lot of doctors have no problem continually writing you a prescription. So by the end of you know, a certain amount of time, you are addicted to prescription pills. Um, gambling. Um, and I don't mean gambling as in like you know, the roulette table. Like some of you guys might have enough money to go on vacation and go to Vegas, but you're probably not going to be a habit. The big habits now are probably going to be lotto, lottery tickets, right? How many of you guys have worked in a gas station? Raise your hand. How many of you guys have seen people spend wads and wads and wads of cash just buying ticket after ticket after ticket? Like regulars. Word. Word. <laughs> right? So that's, that's probably the kind, the kind of uh, addiction uh, you're going to be talking about. All right, so before we go there. All right, so Latin term for addiction is being enslaved or bound to. Slavery. It's a really, really good term. Uh, it starts with a deep craving, a loss of control, right? If you like something... If you're really interested in something, like for instance, I love uh, French macaroons, right? And so it starts with a natural, like we go to White Windmill in uh, um, uh, wherever, what's that? Atlanta. I was like, what's that city, that small city? And you eat a macaroon, and you're like, wow, this is glorious, right? And then some bakery moves over to Augusta and then has macaroons, and all of a sudden everybody wants to hang out at that place. And all of a sudden you're eating macaroons every single day, and you can't stop. And then you're secretly hiding boxes of macaroons in your backpack and your luggage. Well, for me, because I sleep here on the weekends, right? And all of a sudden, it's over. A full-blown macaroon addiction, right? <clears throat> the problem with addiction is, this is where it becomes addiction, is when you continue even when it's bad results. Okay? So let's talk about gambling. If you gambled, is gambling a sin? <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't know. 
The Bible doesn't really actually talk about gambling that much. It talks more about um, uh, being a good, uh, um, wise spender of money, taking care of your finances, being responsible, that kind of stuff. So it doesn't really talk so much about gambling. But the problem is, when gambling becomes too much, what happens? What's the negative consequence that can come from gambling? Lose money. Tons and tons and tons and tons of money. You see uh, um, lottery uh, places, they are marketing towards a certain demographic in our culture. Like, yeah, there are some, like, you know, well-off white people that once in a while buy lottery tickets, but the, general, the vast majority are going to be underprivileged uh, African-American communities. They, they market it there. You know what I'm saying? And what happens? What's the negative? So they don't have enough money, let's say, to pay their bills or pay their rent or pay for food, whoever these might, people might be. And instead, they buy lottery tickets. It's like, have you ever driven through a trailer park and seen a Lexus? Or Mercedes-Benz? I have tons. Humvee? I've been through a trailer park, drive through a trailer park, and there'll be a Humvee there, and they live in a trailer. I'm like, different priorities, bro. You're making bad decisions. Right? But gambling is just one of those things. What else? Drugs. What's the negative consequence of drugs? What happens if you are a heroin addict? Just really easy. What happens? <laughs> you get ugly? That's right. You can no longer... <laughs> you can't keep this up. You can't keep this beauty up, right? What? <laughs> You get ugly. But also, right, you're, what, what happens, Angela? Yeah, your body deteriorates. You start getting sick and you start dying. But you continue to do it because you're addicted. Does that make sense? Shopping. What's negative uh, about shopping? I mean, besides looking fabulous. You look fabulous, but... What? Yeah, money. Like, there are people that are shopping addicts that are terribly, terribly in debt. And they just, there's nothing they can do. They won't stop. They can't stop. Right? Internet games, what happens? You guys heard all over in China, right? <laughs> yeah, no, JoJo's like, nothing, it's perfectly healthy. <laughs> what happens in internet games? In China, what happens? Those gamers that play and play and play, what? And they, they die. They die. <laughs> You're like, okay, so uh, what was the cause of death? <laughs> yeah, League of Legends, uh, yeah. And you have to explain to the, you know, the, the kid, how did daddy die? Well, son, <laughs> your father was an idiot. <laughs> he played video games until he died. Right? <laughs> and then food, of course, uh, 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 morbid obesity, uh, caffeine. Now, this is the thing. There are some addictions that aren't necessarily as bad because they don't, it, they don't manifest in such a way. Um, but caffeine, um, exercise, things like that, you might not think, oh, there's negatives to it. But there is still negatives because caffeine, like let's say if I stop drinking coffee today, which I can quit anytime I want, uh, that's what addicts say, <laughs> um, you will have a major headache. Right? You'll have a major headache. You'll probably have withdrawals. You, you yearn for it. Um, people make fun of me because my coffee is like how 16-year-old girls like their coffee, which is black and strong. Just kidding. It's like uh, mostly milk and a dab of coffee. And I drink it, and it makes me feel good. I'm happy. Just like how Julian feels with bubble tea, you know? But what happens if, like, for, uh, for instance, I have to go on a trip and there is no coffee available? Right? That's a negative effect. It might be, what up, Darius? It might be a small negative, right? But it's still a negative. Does that make sense? All right, so. Um, now, this is, the, this is the problem, okay? Now, the new addictions like porn, uh, gaming, shopping, uh, food, all those kind of things, um, they are starting to show brain scan uh, differences. Like the porn addict looks a lot like the heroin addict in a brain scan. 
Like there's major areas missing. And the thing about addiction is the major, major, major negative uh, draw besides physical, uh, physical um, 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 deterioration is uh, isolation. And this is why spiritually I think addiction is probably such the, the, biggest, the biggest problem for the Christian church. Is because addictions, the fruit of addiction is always isolation. What happens to the person that, uh, that eats and overeats and eats and eats and eats? Do they want to hang out with people? Probably not. What are they filled with? Food. <laughs> that. That's true. Thank you, George. What are they filled with? Insecurity. Insecurity. Shame. Right? Embarrassment. They don't want to hang out. They don't want to be judged. They don't want their friends to say, ooh, you're gross. You know, if they have a bunch of 16-year-old friends. Right? Ew. They don't want to, they don't want to deal with that. Right? Alcoholics. Like, everyone's fine with the guy who drinks a lot at a party and binge drinks and gets drunk. And, Dude, you were so wasted last night. Right? But when they find out that they're getting wasted every single night, all of a sudden your friends that like to party with you on the weekends are starting to get concerned. They're like, hey, man, you're drunk. Right? And they start to isolate themselves. Gamers are the same thing. They're like, I have tons of friends in Gameland. Right? But they're not real people. <laughs> That's the problem. I mean, there's a person on the other end, but you're not interacting with that person really. Pentakill. Yay. We got that. What? I don't know what kind of enemies they have in League of Legends that demon monster dude what you know i mean that's that's your interaction with a person you think that you're becoming right you're you're becoming close with a person but you're not that's only a multi uh, that's only a tiny facet right so for instance like when i learned uh biblical greek in in uh seminary right this is the deal i don't have to be able to write sentences as greek in greek i don't have to come up with sentences in greek all i need to do is read greek and understand greek i don't have to write it i don't have to speak it Right? That's a huge difference in communication. Knowing a language is those four parts. Right? I only have to know half. This is what it's like when you have relationship with gaming or Facebook, social media. Your relationships aren't real. And ultimately, you are still becoming more and more isolated as you are stuck in your room and staring at that screen. Pornography. Right? When you're a 15-year-old kid and looking at porn, it's, it's kind of like fun. All the kids do it. But when they find out that you're looking at more and more violent porn, more and more crazy, crazy stuff. They start to think, wow, this guy's sick. This guy's a pervert, right? And it's insatiable. And all of a sudden, you're looking at porn for hours and hours a day. You can't sleep because you're staying up all night looking at porn. You see what I'm saying? It becomes a huge, huge different, difference thing. Now, this is the thing. The problem is with addictions, too, it's not, it's not always a morality issue, right? Yeah, porn is immoral, right? But gambling isn't necessarily. Caffeine isn't. Shopping. People have to shop. Eating. People have to eat. What happens to make addiction become a huge problem in your life? St. Augustine, he was uh, uh, one of probably the most influential theologians, writers uh, of Christendom, of Christianity, all Christianity. He was in uh, North Africa. And he, was, he always talked about inordinate love. Now, that sounds like a fancy word, but inordinate love means love that is out of order. Right? So, my wife, oh my gosh, I love my wife. Right? That is healthy love. Right? But what if I loved Julian more than my wife? <laughs> Julian's like, why wouldn't you? Right? That's called inordinate love. That's called out of order love. A love that is out of order causes a lot of problems in your life. And we do this all the time. How many of you guys focus on things that you shouldn't focus on? 
that you spend way too much time focusing on. The, the in-order love would be Jesus. I need to focus on Jesus. I need to read the Word. I need to spend time in the Bible. I need to pray. I need to go and hang out with other Christians. I need to be an encouragement. I need to go and, and find unbelievers and be, um, be, bring hope to them, right? But instead, we sit on YouTube and we watch for a couple of hours straight. We're burning our time. Now, some of you say, well, that's not love. I don't love YouTube, but your actions, behavior, your slavery towards that thing is love. It's a response. It's a commitment to that thing that is lower than Jesus. It should be lower than Jesus. It should be lower than your friends. If I, my wife and I, we made this commitment, or I made this commitment because I just talk a lot, right? But years ago, I used to tell all my awesome stories to everybody, and then my wife would find out like stuff that's happened in my life and she wouldn't even know about it, but other people would tell her, oh man, Howard is telling us this story. And Ren's like, when did this happen? And she felt very, very, very unimportant in my life. Right? That would make sense, right? That would make sense. If everyone knew about your life, but your wife didn't, or something that happened that weekend and you didn't tell your wife. And so I made a commitment to my wife because she is more important to me than you all, and I love you guys, but I love her way more, right? I made a commitment to her to, to tell her the stories first and then tell you guys, right? And that way she always feels like she's connected with me. So we're talking about out-of-order love. So you take something like shopping and it becomes out of order, then all of a sudden it becomes an addiction, not all of a sudden, over time it becomes an addiction, then you have this slavery to this thing that might be even amoral, might not be a problem, like a, a morality issue. All right, so now what, what are we talking about, the difference between abuse and, and addiction? Because some of you guys are starting to think, well, am I addicted to shopping? Am I addicted to video games? I only play videos for, video games 14, time, 14 hours a day, right? You're starting to think. Now, so there's a difference between abuse and addiction. So I'm going to talk to you about the cycle. The cycle of addiction, this is the cycle of abuse. You start by using it, and then you enjoy it, right? So you play, start playing League, and you're like, wow, I got my first pentakill. I like it, right? Enjoying it. I start abusing it, meaning I start doing things that I shouldn't be do. I, I should be doing something else. Like, I should be studying, or I should be sleeping, or I should be reading the Bible. I should be, and it starts to impede on the other things that are important to your life, the things that in your life are in order, and then you start to abuse it. Then all of a sudden, you start to depend on it, because this is the problem. With addiction, there's something called tolerance. How many of you guys have heard of Tolerance. In the beginning, right, when somebody wants to uh, get high, right, uh, drugs are really easy. So they take a prescription pill. In the beginning, they take a prescription pill, and it allevi alleviates the pain, right? But they like the feeling, so they start taking more, right? And then all of a sudden, their body gets used to it, so they keep upping it just to feel anything. And they continue up it just to feel anything. And in the end, they become so addicted that they have to take it just to feel normal. They have to take it just to feel normal. And this is what happens. Our dependency on it, video games, shopping, food, gambling, um, pornography, on and on. We need it just to feel normal, just to be able to function on a daily basis. If you're not doing it, you're thinking about it. If you're hanging out with other people, you'd rather be doing that. Does that make sense? Then you increase the dose, 
And then the second cycle, and this is, this is where it's really bad. This is when you start, you want to stop. You want to quit the addiction. You start, at, you act out. So you do whatever it is that you're addicted to. Then you have guilt and remorse. And this is where that shame comes from and isolation. You don't want to hang out with people because they, you don't want them to know how perverted you are or how sick you are or how much you're eating or how you feel all the time. And so you feel guilt and remorseful. Then it brings you into shame and depression. You start to get really depressed and feel really sad, but you're like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you're like doing good performance. You're doing good, doing good. And then something happens and life hits you because life always hits you. Life will always hit you. I know that really doesn't sound encouraging because you guys are young and you're like, I can do anything. My mom said if I wanted to be a doctor, I could be a doctor, which some of you guys are being doctors. That's fine. But I can't be a doctor or a ballerina. Those two things. Right? Don't judge me. If I wanted to be a ballerina, I'm just kidding. I can't. I couldn't be a ballerina if I wanted to right? So life hits you. School, you get bad grades. You lose your scholarship. Um, your parents are really mad at you. You don't come home. You, uh, your girlfriend breaks up with you because you're playing video games all night. Um, you, on and on and on and on. Your life starts to te- deteriorate. And then all of a sudden, what do you do? You act out because you need something to make you feel better. Yeah? Now let's look at the Bible because this is not a PSA for you guys, a public service announcement. The first thing you have to do is you have to refer, uh, refuse to be blind. Because a lot of you guys are in here, you're teetering and tottering between whether you're not are abusing, you're not addicted, you are teetering, teetering and tottering. You're not like trying to, I, I'm, I'm not committed to make sure that I'm not addicted. I'm not committed to making sure that my life is ordered love. You're not committed to that. You're just kind of sitting there. You have to refuse to be blind. When you were slaves, and that's six, that's Romans 6. Aaron told me that was Romans 6. <laughs> I read the Bible sometimes. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. This is beautiful. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Righteousness had no control over you. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? All the things that you had done wrong, what benefit did you, did you gain from it? When you had that partying lifestyle, when you played games for 20 hours a day, what benefit did you get? Those things result in death. Now, some of you guys are like, well, how can video games result in death? How can shopping or eating and all those things result in death? Isolation, shame, depression, it pulls you away from the Lord. It pulls away from you from the church community, right? You will not be spending your time doing the things that draw you close to the Lord. You will be doing all of those things to serve yourself. And it's idolatry. The place that God needed to be in your life to minister to you, to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart because every one of us is broken, every one of us has a hole, and God has an intention to fix that. Maybe not now, maybe in, in eternity, but He is intended to fix that, and He is the only source that can, can heal that. Refuse to be blind. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, slaves of God may, may be uncomfortable, but when God is the most loving, well, is love, Right? What else is there? That's a beautiful thing to be a slave to God. The benefits you reap lead to holiness. That means if you are a slave to God, your life becomes more and more holy. Now, holy does not mean I don't sin. Holy means your entire life is separated from the rest of the world. I am now holy, meaning I now belong to God. If you think about holy water, that's not ordinary water, right? Now, they don't do anything. They pray over the water so it's holy, right? But it's basically saying I'm using this water for the church. That's holy water. It's separated for God. That's what holiness means. And so here we have holiness. You reap 
The things that you reap by being a slave to God is holiness, a separation. Your life becomes dedicated and devoted to God. And the result is eternal life. Oh, I like that. I'll take that, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin, the payment for sin, what you are owed. Second, refuse to be enslaved. I love this passage. This is 1 Corinthians Corinthians 6.12. I have the right to do anything. This is Paul speaking. And he's talking to a decadent church, a church that is crazy, right? I compare Corinthians, uh, the Corinth church, to be like Amsterdam and Vegas mixed. It's filled with the occult and sexuality and, and drugs and all this kind of stuff, right? And Paul is saying, I have the right to do anything. As a Christian, I can do anything I want to. You say, but not everything is beneficial. You can do anything you want as a Christian because we're no longer bound by sin. Our judgment is passed. When we start following Jesus, we can do whatever we want. But it's not beneficial. And I love Paul. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered, meaning I will not let have anything have control over me except for God. My goal as a father for my children is really, really simple. I want my children to grow up without vices. You know what a vice is? You guys ever seen those things that are attached to workbenches and you can clamp something down? And if you put your hand in a vice and you, 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 uh, you um, crank it, it will, it'll break your hand. It'll destroy your hand. It'll smash your hand into bits because there's nothing stopping it. You just continue to screw it and it'll just smash your hand. That's a vice. We talk about vices as sins or addictions as vices as well because it grips you and won't let go. I just want my kids to grow up not having any vices, not even caffeine or smoking. Not even lottery tickets. I don't want him to have any kind of vices. I don't want anything to master my son. Because the only thing that I want to master my son and my daughter is the Lord. And for you, as the church, as our young people that will be changing the world for Jesus, I do not want you to be mastered by anything. I think Paul is right in this. You give away your mastery all the time. People, oh yeah, you can, you can, you can take control of my life. Here, you're submitting yourself to these things. And you don't even realize it. So the first thing. Refuse to be blind. Be aware of what you're doing. Look at your life. Is it out of order? Number two, refuse to be enslaved. I will not be enslaved. I will not allow abuse to become addiction. I will not even allow abuse. Anything that I need to do, I will do those things. So if I need to go to bed at 11 o'clock because I want to be committed, and this is me. I'm not preaching to you like as in I don't struggle with this stuff. I am not a master. I, my, my whole life has been being mastered by things. My whole life. My wife can tell you. I don't want her to tell you because it's really embarrassing. But my life, I have an addictive personality. I get addicted to everything. And I continue to fight my whole life. Continue to fight not to be mastered by anything. And so I screw up. I suck. I mess up a lot. All the time. I fall back into my addictions. I fall back into things that I tried. I'm not a disciplined person. But every day I move towards it. And for you, some of you guys are sitting here like, well, I can't even wake up at, in the morning. I, I, I can't even go to bed before midnight. Uh, I, I can't stop looking at my phone. I can't get off Facebook. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're like, I'm not strong enough. I can't do th-. I'm with you, man. But this is the beauty, is that the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He doesn't command us to do things that we cannot do. Along with the Holy Spirit, who dwells in you when you become a Christian, when you claim, I'm not talking to non-Christians. For those of you that aren't Christians here, it's okay. You're You're free. You know, be slaves to sin, you know? Just kidding, don't do that, right? Just become a Christian, it'll be all good. But when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, then all of a sudden everything changes. All of a sudden you are empowered, you have this spiritual power. 
And it's not going to be perfect, but you continue to move towards God. And I think God does this this way because, yeah, if, let's say Angela was addicted to food, right? Angela has to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. She gets saved, radically saved, and all of a sudden she changes and her heart's different and she no longer is addicted to food. I don't think God does that for a reason for a vast majority of people. I think he wants us to be dependent on him. Right? And some of you guys might be like, oh, well, that's, that's cruel. Why would you want to just you know, lead us along by a leash of dependency, God? I think that's the, the most wonderful thing that he could do. I love that song, Come Thou Fount. There's this lyric in it that says, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take this heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy will above. I'm prone to wander, and when the Lord makes me dependent on him, and I've got to follow him, it is a gift. Because if I was perfect and I didn't sin, I would still wander, maybe not behaviorally, but my heart would wander. And I would pretend like I don't need Jesus. Or I would live like I don't need Jesus. And number three, have compassion on those trapped in addiction. You will if you overcome um, this, uh, um, uh, this inordinate loves. If you overcome this, if you start to clean out your life, you look, look at your abuses, you look at your addictions, and you start cleaning those things out, you will encounter brothers and sisters in Christ that are heavily addicted. And they will be afraid to tell you. I remember the first time a student came to me and said they were struggling with same-sex attraction. And I liken this to addiction because same-sex attraction, there is a ton of, of, of shame and a ton of fear in it. And he didn't want to tell me. He was terrified that I was going to judge him and make him feel small and be like, God has no will, uh, there's no will of God in your life. God doesn't want you anymore. You're rejected. He was afraid I was going to say those things, but I didn't say those things. Because I cling to the same hope that he clings to. That it's not me that can change myself. I can't save myself. God has to save me. So I cling to the same thing. I don't judge him. I think in Jesus' name, you can be delivered over time. In the Christian community, with brothers and sisters gathered around you, we can do this together. Have compassion on those. You cannot be judgmental people in here. You can't. If you are judgmental, you do not recognize your own sin in your own life. You don't. If you think you're better than somebody, I don't care who you think you're better. It could be the homeless guy in the street, the heroin addict, the meth addict, the blah, blah, blah. You know, I make fun of a lot of people, but in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm not better than that person because I've seen myself at my worst. And when I've seen myself at the best, you know, sometimes I get kind of cocky and prideful, but I really honestly know that without Christ, I wouldn't have a best. I'm the, the good part of me was because of Jesus. Like every time I'm like really romantic with my wife, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Right? Because that's not Howard. Howard's lazy, would rather watch Netflix. Rather be romantic. Take my wife out to a pho dinner where she gets pho and I get salad. <laughs> right? But have compassion on those trapped in addiction because if you do not, if you do not have compassion on those, they will go somewhere else. There are two types of people that are addicted. There are people that want help and there are people that don't want help. The people that want help, they will come to you. Because if you even start to portionally, part of your life, start to act like Christ, people will be drawn to you. They'll look at Chris and be like, man, Chris, you seem like you listen. People like, really love you. You have a lot of good friends. And, stop it. And, you know, like, I want to I tell you something that I've never really told anybody before. And I, I just want to know if you could pray for me. They will dr- be drawn to Chris because Christ and Chris. <laughs> Christ and Chris. Because it's Jesus and Chris. Because of the Holy Spirit and Chris. They will be drawn. 
But if you do not have compassion, if you come across as if you're better than them, then they will go somewhere else. And it probably won't be the church. Have you guys ever been to an AA meeting? Alcoholics Anonymous? Or Celebrate Recovery? These are addiction programs, 12-step addiction programs. You should go. I mean, I know you're not alcoholics, that's fine. I'm glad you're not alcoholics, that's good. But you should go because I think the AA meeting is how Jesus intended the church to be. It is a beautiful thing. You sit down and you feel really kind of scared because you don't want everyone to think you're an alcoholic. And even if you say you're not an alcoholic, they still think you're an alcoholic, right? And that's okay. You know, you get that, that passes. But you look around, there's like the slum guy. And then there's this like high executive, you know, um, uh, woman, you know, well-dressed. And then there's this middle-aged guy, there's this old grumpy guy. And there's, it's like crazy. Like it's just filled. There's young teenagers, well, you know, a little bit older than teenagers, like 21-year-olds. Um, that have been been drinking all throughout college and, and doing drugs and you know and you meet all these people and they all go around and they talk about their sin with the, but their issues and everybody I mean they didn't even know me and they're just like putting their hand on me like you know like I'm really glad you're here man like, I'm really glad you made it you know oh you got your four, one day chip they give you chips for however many days you're sober and even if you get your one day chip they're like man I'm so glad you came back man this is awesome you can do it and then a 60-day chip. And I, uh, the, the time I went, I think it was like a 10-year chip. Somebody had received a 10-year chip. Uh, and everybody in the room was like, like moved. Because if that guy could stay sober for 10 years, then they could stay sober for 10 years. It was incredible compassion, no judgment. And I really felt like the church. And it was really cool because everyone was chain-smoking in like an entrance. I was like looking for AA. I'm like, is AA around here? And then there's this cloud of smoke. I'm like, I found it. <laughs> you go in there. They're all chain-smoking, right? They look really rough. But they all like it, was like, it was like church, man. It was amazing. But here, what happens? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How many of your conversations are deep? How many of your conversations ever talk about addictions or fears? brokenness. How many of you guys can be real with one another without a fear of, of judgment or shame? That's the question, right? And so my desire for you, and I, I believe that God is calling us to be, is to be a real community. Have compassion to those trapped in addiction. If you start finding out that your friends are addicted to something, come around them. Now, there's a lot to learn about how to, to minister to somebody in a, uh, with addiction, and I was going to teach on that, but it's too much because it's, it's actually counterintuitive because you don't want to enable, and if you want to learn about that, you can come talk to me. Um, but there's a lot to talk about when it comes to ministering to people, but the first thing is compassion, not thinking that you're better, right? My dream, my dream for our, our community, our group here, why I've been here for nine years is because I believe through you guys Right? We can actually make a difference in our community. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to play fake church. I hate it. I hate, I hate when people go to church and they sit in the pews and their life is the same every single week. I hate it. I hate when everybody says we're a family, but we're not a family. and Nobody really talks to each other and knows each other. I hate it. It makes me sad. But here, if we can deal with addictions and we can deal with broken community and people, all you guys are constantly sharing the gospel with your friends and people are coming to know the Lord and people are getting healed and changed, not because of me, right? But because of the body of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit that operates through you, because of God and His mercy. That's what I want to see happen with you. We have a lot of churches that just take up space, but not you. Not you. Don't be that. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it to me. 
but in some measure, he has not caused it to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. How many of you guys know that Paul is not an easy man? Paul is an intense, intense guy. He's the kind of guy that gets beat up, right, and keeps on going. Paul got in an argument with Barnabas. Barnabas, his personality is a lot like me. Like, I'm really encouraging. I'm like, yeah, you can do it, right? Paul's like super intense. They got in an argument in separated ways during the first missionary journey, between the first and second. Paul is sitting here and saying, comfort them. And he acknowledges. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has, uh, he has caused it not to me, Paul, but in some measure not to put it too severely to all of you. So if one of us, Minuk falls into sin, he's dealing with addiction, whatever he's dealing with, right? He left, so I'm going to pick on him, Right? He causes harm to all of you. Think about it me. If I committed adultery on my wife, I cheated on my wife, do you think that would affect you? It would affect you in a lot of ways, not just, not just emotionally because you know me and you know my wife. But I love Paul. He said, he said turn to forgive and comfort him or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. There's this thread of compassion through Paul. Oh yeah, that's you, Kadira, sorry. I just want to encourage you guys to um, be more mature than everyone expects you to be. Be completely committed to Christ that in everything that you do with your life, in every situation, in everything that you deal with, whether it's addictions, that you be more and more Christ-like than the culture even allows because there is, when you look around, there is things that culture says is okay and be a Christian. But I don't want you to be like that. I don't want you to barely get by like we talked about last week. The rich young ruler. I don't want you to be the guy that, that tries to do as little as he can to get into heaven. I want you to be completely committed, completely mature, following after him hard. And not being perfect, because that's impossible, but being fully committed. Yeah? I'm going to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, it is by your mercy and your mercy alone that we can come before you in grace. Knowing that you've called us out of sin, called us out of darkness, called us out of brokenness, and you've offered us this new life if we would receive it. And God, I just pray that you would give us your strength in power. That we might not look like the world anymore. That we would stop behaving like the world does. Stop going around in circles trying the same thing that the world does, seeking answers that will not satisfy, but instead turning to you, the creator of the universe, the one who knows us, who have made us created to worship you. We want to be a people of hope. And we want to bring hope to the world. I ask you guys, God, to defeat our inordinate loves, to open our eyes so we won't sit and be blinded that we would, be, we would refuse to be mastered by anything and that we would have compassion for our brothers and sisters that are entrapped in addiction. Lord, we know that you are the healer, but we don't say that just with words. We know that you've done it. You've done it in my life and you've done it with many of us. And so we lay ourselves at your feet, God. And we say, have your way in this area. Help us to look around. Help us to, to see things clearly so that you might be glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Cad? Sure.
you latecomers that come in late and everything, we have a problem getting around. So when you park, try to park in a spot designated for parking. Just don't park anywhere. Okay? We had a problem getting out a while ago. So for you guys that come in late and just park anywhere, please don't do it. Okay? Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Collins. Cad? No, you got to come up here. I think I recorded his announcement. <laughs>